To be or not to be, that is the question. Lord, we know what we are, but know not what we may be. In this episode, we're going to look at Ophelia, one of the most iconic roles of the classical stage. He is dead and gone, lady. He is dead and gone. Ophelia suffers the same heartbreak as Hamlet. Hers is a story of ruined relationships, of isolation, madness and murder. At his head, a grass-green turf. At his heels, a stone. We interview some of the leading actresses of the British stage who've played the role. What do they think of Ophelia? She's a young girl who's is recently discovered love and is madly in love. And I think that gives her a little bit of anarchy and a little bit of a riot in her as well. To see her just completely and utterly in love with Hamlet, I think she would have stood by him and helped him and wanted to help him. And then she just kind of got put in a situation by the people around her. She was incredibly heroic. She was incredibly pure of heart and mind in a world of madness. I felt like she taught me something about a more evolved way to live my life. It's that discovery of what it is to be human, really, isn't it? And what binds us as human beings, I suppose, to question what it is to love somebody and to lose somebody. I think that at this time, during the, the lockdown and how it's kind of really decimated our industry, we have to speak loud now. And I think the, the very act of doing it, it has become a, a, an act of defiance. That's for remembrance. Pray, love. Remember. I think that the very beginnings of Ophelia, it was Greg Doran ringing me up. He said, I'd really love you to play Ophelia. This is Mariah Gale, who played the role opposite David Tennant at the RSC. I was immediately terrified and I looked at the script and I thought, I don't get this. <laughs> I don't think I can do this. I think he's crazy. I don't know why he thinks that I could do this. So I started from a place of fear and a completely blank slate. And then the more I dived into the play and to her, the more I just absolutely fell in love with it. And now I look back on it, it's just one of the most life-changing roles I've ever encountered. And I'll never forget it. <laughs> when Harriet Walter was cast by Richard Eyre in 1980, it was her first professional Shakespearean role. I'd just come out of doing a, a, a television film with Richard Eyre directing, and he was moving on to direct um, Jonathan Price as Hamlet at the Royal Court. And so I was cast as Ophelia on the strength of the personality of the character I'd been playing in the television film, who was a bright, oversensitive, vulnerable young woman. He wanted to show Ophelia as someone who had the capability, the sensitivity to see what was going on, but couldn't express it in any way except madness. The audience was supposed to feel, gosh, if only Hamlet and Ophelia could have got together, uh, they might together have been able to do something. It was a big moment for me and I was probably terrified. Sean Brooke played opposite Benedict Cumberbatch at the Barbican in 2015. I had quite a journey with Ophelia. It was never really a part that I had a great desire to play. I felt that 
a lot of what happens to her or a lot of her journey actually happens off stage. I remember having a meeting with the director, Lindsay Turner, and really in that meeting, I suppose she convinced me about the part and wanted to give it more weight within the production and wanted to, yeah, join the dots up a bit more for her. By the end of it, I totally fell in love with the character. Kelly Shirley had been told she would never get roles in Shakespeare. Fortunately, director Bill Buckhurst cast her opposite Joseph Milson in 2008. I was just so excited about playing Ophelia because, first of all, because I was you know, that classic thing at drama school being told, coming from a working class background, that I'd never work in Shakespeare. You'll never do Shakespeare because you don't speak properly. And then, and then so for, for a bit, I was really against, you know, doing any Shakespeare. I didn't, I fell, I fell out of love with it because I just felt like I couldn't do it. And then really... It, it was meeting Bill and he really gave me the confidence that I could play this part. Yeah, I was just so excited and just wanted to get my teeth into it and was like, fuck you, you know, I, I'm going to do this. Actually, you know, Shakespeare is for everybody and, and to kind of get over that prejudice that it's just for, you know, a particular class because it isn't, it's for everyone, isn't it? You know, all the, all the parts are for everybody and... Katie West was Ophelia to Maxine Peake's Hamlet at the Manchester Royal Exchange. It wasn't one of the parts that I sort of thought, oh, I'd, I'd love to have a go at Ophelia one day. Just because I was a bit scared of Shakespeare and I was a bit scared of that part and I didn't really see myself in, in it, if that makes sense. Like, I found it quite hard to relate to her. I didn't feel like there was much fight there and I, that's what I couldn't really get into. I had to dig into it. Once I dug into it, I was like, oh my God, there's so much fight in it. And it was quite amazing what you find when you dig a bit deeper into her, I think. Stephanie McGregor played Ophelia opposite Nicole Cooper at Bard in the Botanics. I loved it, obviously, because it's just an amazing play. But Ophelia, obviously, because she doesn't say that much, because she's only got like four or five scenes, I think she's got, and that's it. I had to kind of create more of her story off stage for it to make sense for me to come on stage and to say what I'm saying. Sean Brooke. There's a lot of scepticism about the relationship between Hamlet and Ophelia and the love and whether it's genuine, this relationship. We made a very definite decision that this was a genuine relationship and they were kindred spirits. My, my feeling was that she was totally in love with this man and he sort of awakened her in every aspect of her life. She was quite an introverted character in the way that we played her, quite cerebral, and that, that actually they probably awakened each other. I think she felt utterly lost without him. I think in those times, women were viewed as weak. You'd done your, you were told you were a property. People owned you. Our dad and our brother, they kind of tell her what she should do, how she should think, how she should feel. I felt personally that she was a lot more grounded and grown up than what they saw her as. I believe that she was helping Hamlet, my Hamlet, um, through a lot of it, through a lot of the grief. So she understood a lot of what was going on with Hamlet. I think she would have stood by him and helped him and wanted to help him. And then she just kind of got put in a situation by the people around her. One of my main feelings was... I didn't really believe in people going mad in in a sort of broken heart kind of, oh, she suddenly lost her reason. I felt that there had to be underlying 
um, if you if you like pre-existing conditions in Ophelia that would tip her into madness. So I was looking for evidence in the pre-scene before she goes mad for her fragility. And I found masses of textual evidence that she had never been encouraged to have a mind of her own. Both her brother and her father keep telling her what she should think and what she should do. They keep telling her not to believe Hamlet's vows. They're, they're overprotective of her. Um, so Ophelia is very isolated and alone. She doesn't have a sense of her own strength. Kelly Shirley. She's very controlled by men, isn't she, Ophelia? Not really allowed to be her own person. So I wanted just to, yeah, to delve in that straight away where, you know, where she's kind of lost herself. Like, who is she? Who, who, who the fuck am I? And, and how do I navigate myself in this, in this man's world? She doesn't know who she, she is. I think she's lost. Um, and she can't really be the person who she wants to be. And I think she's deeply unhappy and depressed. I mean, she must be. Katie West. And she is the one who actually kind of feels it all in a way. So she feels the, the madness that Hamlet's going through. And she feels, feels like all this like cuckolding kind of weird sex tension that's happening in the play and I feel like she's kind of got all her feelings on the outside of her skin and so everything that happens just sort of really hits her. I mean it was both Richard Eyre's conceit and it chimed with what I could relate to. He was trying to create an, a very modern atmosphere of a rather authoritarian regime. Hamlet was the misfit, the person who saw what was going on but felt powerless to do anything about it. Similarly, Ophelia is someone who had the sensitivity to see what was going on, but couldn't express it in any way except madness. Ophelia disappears from the stage for an act and a half, during which time Hamlet kills her father, the murder is covered up, and Hamlet is banished. The next time we see Ophelia is the so-called madness scene. Mariah Gale. I read a bit of stuff about people saying um, that her madness seems to come out of nowhere. And I just thought, hang on a minute. You know, I think if my boyfriend murdered my dad, I'd be really pissed off. And if you're madly in love with that boyfriend and you absolutely adore that, that dad with all their complexities, you would be sent into extreme grief and confusion You'd be pretty pissed off. Oh no, Ophelia. This is an extract from the filmed version of Mariah Gale's performance for the RSC, directed by Greg Duran and broadcast by the BBC. He is dead and gone, lady. He is dead and gone. At his head, the grass green turf, at his heels a stone. Neighbour to feel Pray him back! What she does is speaks in code. She speaks in riddles because she can't speak the naked truth because she'd be she'd be out of there quicker than quicker than you like. So she bursts in and she speaks in this coded way. And it's sort of quite similar to Hamlet, you know, having the play within the play, you know, what they both really cleverly do is they just speak in this 
veiled way straight into their soul. We must be patient. But I cannot choose but weep to think that they should lay him in the, the cold ground. And she goes round to everybody in the room and just totally pulls the rug from, from under their feet. She's unafraid, you know. I think that heartbreak makes you unafraid. For Sean Brooke, Ophelia is also trying to rectify the cover-up of her father's death. And the way in which it was portrayed, we portrayed it, was that she came, she burst out of this huge oak door at the top of the staircase with this trunk, and it was like some sort of warrior charging down this staircase and demanding attention from the court because she had been silenced to, to try and rectify, to, to put right a huge wrong. And then I positioned people um, around the trunk as if it was a, a burial and trying to perform some sort of funeral and give him, you know, his rights. And with some of the poems, we sort of tried to put them to music, like she was desperate to sing a hymn at his funeral. I can't remember one of the songs. Will he not come? Will he not come again? No, no, he is dead. He will not come again. Something like that, I can't remember. I think in that moment, she's being the most clearest and the most succinct character in the whole play and the most honest. And I think that's what you play, like you play the honesty of it and you don't play, you don't think, oh, I've got to be mad and I've got to do weird stuff. She's actually going in there and she's saying, look, this is how I'm feeling right now. Nobody is listening and nobody is seeing how much pain this whole, this whole kingdom is in. Stephanie McGregor. I don't think she was insane. I think she lost her mind through grief. There is method in the madness of what she's saying and what and the songs she's choosing to sing. And Ophelia is clutching flowers and hands them to characters such as Gertrude, Mariah Gale. I think, you know, she says there's rue for you and some for me too. And I think, I think she seems to see Gertrude with all her complexities and contradictions and that she's sort of saying, I can see your pain, but I also think you fucked up. <laughs> and I know it and you, you know it. This young girl who's been recently sexually awakened and then she sees another woman who's going through something. She sort of sees her fully, I think, in that moment. And I think Gertrude feels that too. Ophelia then confronts Claudius. All, all of their lives have kind of changed forever. And Claudius has, yeah, and Claudius has become a murderer. They say the owl was a baker's daughter. Lord, we know what we are, but know not what we may be. There's worlds within worlds con contained within that line. Almost so many that it's impossible to really fully articulate She's not just going, you're a, you're a bastard. She's going, right, let me just talk about what we know of ourselves to you and what might be around the corner. I've got your number, I, I know, but more than that, you look into your heart, you know, you know. Who are you really? Go inside, ask yourself. I remember I used to look at him in the eye 
as if to say, I know exactly, we know what we are. I know exactly what you are, and so should everybody else. I practice um, mindfulness, I doing a mindfulness meditation and, and with a great teacher. Um, and he was saying, uh, where we are now has absolutely nothing to do with where, where we're going. And I found that immensely freeing. I'm not tied to this, what I groove I'm in now with guy ropes, you know, let's just unpeg them because the possibilities are just absolutely endless. You know, the future is unknowable. And I think she's sort of going, there will always be this unknowable thing. You don't know what's around the corner. Life is precious and fragile and uh, we, can, we can't see ahead. And it, and, it, and it is terrifying, but kind of opening to that is also very freeing. To bring realism and specificity to her performance, Harriet Walter turned to psychological textbooks to read transcripts of interviews with female psychiatric patients. I want it to be sort of properly, sort of clinically accurate about madness rather than generalised. You want to individualise everything you do. You know, you want to find roots in the character's history, roots in the particularity of that character, makes it much richer for you, something, you know, that people could identify with as a real human being with mental health problems. Uh, I think it's utterly heartbreaking, the last thing that Ophelia says before she um, goes. I think she says, of all Christian souls, I pray God, you know, that she's like, God help us, look at this shit, <laughs> you know. And I think there's nowhere else for her to go but to death after that. You know, she's like, I've said what I have to say. I have asked you all to take a good look inside and now I'm done because I need to leave this mess because <laughs> you know? I'm, I'm, I'm in another place now, you know. I always felt like every single night that we, that we played, I understood and found out so much more about her, that she was um, incredibly heroic. She was incredibly pure of heart and mind in a a world of madness. I've played a lot of the women in Shakespeare and um, I can only aspire to become that brave and clever. They all speak out in the face of rot. <laughs> they see all of the mess of human existence. I found it a very liberating role to play. And weirdly, even though it's so tragic, um, I found a lot of joy in it. I felt like she taught me something about a more evolved way to live my life. By the end of it, I just, I just felt, I suppose I felt quite sad to say goodbye to her because it, I had a genuine affection for the, for the character. It's that discovery of what it is to be human, really, isn't it? And what binds us as human beings. It's through people's honesty of discovering who they are as a, human being and being able to share that I think that you have to be very careful with the truth and the way you introduce it into the room it can be a really powerful weapon you know I've certainly grown up really hiding from I think in therapy it gets called the truth of you you know I think she's just somebody who kind of blasts through that 
but if we actually dared to bring some of our truths to the table with compassion and tenderness as she does really um then we might we might get a little further along the way you know I think that at, at this time during the, the lockdown and how it's kind of really decimated our industry and been so so hard for so many creatives and you think why am I doing this you know should I give up I've got a young family you know um, I must be crazy um, and nothing has made me feel more like an actor and more like a creative than this pandemic and the and the response of the leadership to this pandemic you, you know when the chips really are down you kind of go I have to do this we all have to keep doing this we owe it to everyone to do it and we we have to we have to speak loud now and I think the the very act of doing it it has become a, a, an act of defiance and yeah I suppose it chimes in with her because she is one of those people who kind of isn't afraid to to speak and to and to speak in truths um and and that's what she does and it and it's so electric and it's so brave this podcast was started in the depths of the coronavirus lockdown and the contributors all agreed to take part because they wanted to raise awareness for theatres and for actors at a time of crisis due to pandemic, to rolling lockdowns and social distancing. If you want to help, theatres like The Globe have donation pages you can visit, and special fundraisers have been set up during lockdown. If you visit the podcast website, you can find some links. The readings were by Emma Fielding and Simon Paisley Day, and Emma Pallant as Ophelia. And thanks too to Chris Dyer, Paul Sem and Hannah Fiore for their invaluable help and support. Soft you now, the fair Ophelia. Nymph in thy orisons, be all my sins remembered. <laughs>